Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have something you'd like our team to pray for in you or your family's life, we encourage you to let us know by visiting thevillagechapel.com prayer. Our team would love the opportunity to bring your requests to the Lord. We're glad you joined us this week as we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Pastor Jim. After a long string of people coming and questioning Jesus with a motive of entrapping him, trying to discredit him and catch him in something, um, here comes a fella that actually I think is curious. He's a scribe, we're told. And in Mark chapter 12, verses uh, 28 to 34 today, uh, we read of this account. You listen and tell me what you think. I mean, I think this guy's legit. He's actually got a question. He comes with some level of respect, even begins that way. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he, Jesus, had answered them well. This fella asks Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all. Now, you can ask a question and simply be attempting to stump the speaker or to discredit the speaker or entrap the speaker, or you can actually want to know what this person thinks. I'm going to say I think that's what this guy wants to know. Uh, If you could ask Jesus one question, what would you ask him? I mean, if you could sit with him for coffee and just bring up just one. You're only allowed one question. What would it be for this guy? He's a scribe. That is, he's an expert in the law. He's making copies of the law all the time. And he wants to know, what is the most important thing according to God's laws? All right, that's pretty cool. I'm sitting forward now. I want to know what Jesus answers. He says in verse 29, Jesus answered, the foremost or the greatest command, is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And here he's quoting directly from Deuteronomy chapter 6 as part of that uh, uh, that, that Shema, I think it's called. They, the Jews would recite this thing daily. And um, so Jesus goes right back to the law, the Pentateuch, that the scribes, this man's a scribe, the scribes and all these religious experts would have been really familiar with. And Jesus cuts back to one more time, say that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And he says, the foremost command of all, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That would, have, that would have immediately dialed their ears back to the book of Deuteronomy, the ancient scrolls. And you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second, Jesus said, is this, the second greatest commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. All right, so this is number one and number two. I love that. Now, let me go on and finish this, this section. Scribe, how does he, repl- you know, what's his response to all of what Jesus just said? Well, the scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else besides him and to love him with all the heart 
with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he, Jesus, said to him, the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Whoa, man. Man, can you imagine that? I mean, that Jesus recognized in this man's response to what Jesus said. Jesus recognized that he had answered intelligently and that he was right, and that he then says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's just an amazing thing for Jesus to say. Again, one of the reasons I think this man is an honest seeker as opposed to a willful unbeliever or a um, uh, somebody who's just trying to stump the speaker or entrap the speaker. And then Mark makes this out. There's just this one little comment here at the end of uh, uh, verse 34, and we'll, cl- we'll close it out in terms of our reading. Mark says, after that, no one would venture to ask him, meaning Jesus, any more questions. <laughs> okay, so for Mark's gospel, okay, For the account and the record that Mark gives us here, nobody would ask him any more questions. And we've, as as I said, we've we've seen you know volley after volley after volley of questions thrown at Jesus. You know, from this unholy alliance, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, you know, and other scribes, not this man, but the others uh, from that that group of people that were so so much uh, learned in in the law of God. And this man comes along. His curiosity is piqued by all of the interaction between Jesus and all of the others that have come, you know. And his curiosity is piqued, and he says, what's, what's the one thing? What's the most important thing, the greatest commandment in God's eyes? What matters most to God, in other words? What's really important to our creator, designer, Um, the one to whom we must all give an answer for our lives one day. What does God think is important? And that's a great way to think if you're going to be thinking about God. Now, the Jews, to be sure, had different rabbinical schools that placed emphasis on different aspects of the Old Testament and especially the law. Seeking to understand God's law was not at all unusual. Um, But what is the nature of God's greatest commandment? What in God's mind is the bottom line, the most important, the fundamental thing, uh, the foundation upon which everything else sort of uh, stands? And Jesus says God's law basically boils down to loving God and loving God others. Now, love is one of those English words that uh, has taken on a variety of meanings. In the, uh, most of you will know, in the, in the uh, New Testament Greek language, uh, there are four different words that often get translated uh, into English as love. But uh, our English word love, I gotta say, has got a whole lot of different uses. I mean, we use the same word love uh, to describe uh, how we feel about 
pizza or watching football or, you know, how we feel about our dog or, or how we feel about our spouse. And as you can imagine, your spouse, if you're married, uh, would not be impressed to think that they are treasured in the same way uh, as a, a deep dish pepperoni uh, pizza or the Tennessee Titans or as a, a Labradoodle or something, so or a German Shepherd, whatever kind of dog you happen to like. So what is Jesus saying here? Um, at what is God looking for uh, when Jesus answers this man's question this way? What does it mean to love God? Is it just a warm, fuzzy feeling? Is it sentimental? Is it is it merely that, or is there more to it? Is uh, is it some kind of emotional, spiritual high? Or as uh, Jesus said, does it mean being so overwhelmed by God's grace and so th- so thankful to God that we begin caring about God's name, what God thinks, that we joyfully live in ways that honor his name and his laws? Well, again, to answer this man's question, Jesus reaches back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and shows him that the love of God, the love for God, um, must be expressed in the in the whole-souled way. You know, our our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, all of that. In other words, at the very essence and core of who we are, we are to love God. So to the religious experts of his day, Jesus said, God's not interested in mechanistic, externalized, uh, just ritual, religious observances. But rather, God desires heartfelt, loving obedience. God desires his people to love him in such a way that obedience is the natural response of our love for God. See, God did not create you, didn't create me. God didn't create any of us as robots that must, were were pre-programmed, determined, uh, already predetermined, that we, every act, every thought will be the loving God thought or act. And uh, most of you know this. Um, uh, Perhaps it's easier for you to see in your human-to-human relationships because none of us either, none of us are very good at that either. We, all of our thoughts, all of our words, all of our deeds, so whether it's, you know, whatever realm you're dealing with, all of our relationship experiences could be more loving, couldn't they be, (laughs) in the way that we think about others? Uh, you know, I mean, for Christians, there can be no repugnant other. There can be nobody that we think of as the repugnant other. That somehow or another, um, Jesus would despise that person so much he would never have come to save them, you know. Or, and we certainly don't, you know, they, they don't deserve our love. And they, and they may not deserve our love, but that doesn't matter. We're called to be like Jesus and love them. See, Jesus came into a dark world full of sinners. And we've been seized by his great affection, and we didn't deserve it. No. So um, God didn't create you or me as robots. Um, and he honestly desires our love uh, response to him. He desires that we love him 
with our whole hearts, with our souls, with our minds and our strength. Let's think about those for just a second. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love God from our hearts includes our devotion. It if it's the the seat of our affections, you know, are we devoted to God? Um, this is where we treasure things and people and relationships. Uh, do we ever find ourselves thinking of express, expressing our love for God in terms of devotion? Lord, I love you. And saying that to him, you know how important that is in your human-to-human relationships. And I know some of you are less comfortable than others with saying, I love you. But I, I remember um, early on, uh, many, few decades ago, I guess it was, when uh, I had a really good friend who just would always say, hey, I love you, Jim. I love you, Jim. And it was a guy. And so I was, I was just, I had not been raised to communicate that way before. And it had such a profound impact on me. And even to this day, I want to be more like that. Um, It meant something to me, still does, because I still remember it. And I know that the Lord in massive letters uh, written across the entire cosmos has basically said, I love you. And uh, in the person and work of Jesus, it's very clear. So when we sing to the Lord, when we pray to the Lord, when we think of the Lord, when we read his word um, from our hearts uh, with affection, we should be expressing our devotion to the Lord. And and when it comes to our soul, this might be seen more as the, the seat of desire, for instance, uh, the way we pres- prioritize our, our life. Uh, our soul is is given to things. We prioritize. And all four of these uh, areas may overlap a little bit. So as I, as I try to describe them a little bit and, and uh, challenge us all to love the Lord our God with, with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, please understand the idea there is that between the four of them, uh, we're to love the Lord our God with all of who we are. But our soul might be seen as, as the seat of our desires. Uh, um, could be, you know, where we get a, uh, a sense of <clears throat> security. We long for security. We long for provision, pro, um, uh, sort of productivity and, and sort of achievement, all of that. Our souls are given to desire those things, to want to be productive, to want to be protected, to want to live in peace, all of that. And the Lord Jesus has here said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your devotion, all of your desire. And when I think about the mind, for instance, I might say, love the Lord your God with all your determination." You know, I mean, that's where our minds are. The, that's where we do all of our thinking, our categorizing of things. And that's where we organize things. And we sort of in our minds, we, we hear um, the volitional aspect of who we are. That is, we hear our will talking a little bit, processing a little bit, if you will. And so we determine that we're going to set out on this course or do this thing or say that thing, um, need to 
Um, think more often, think more carefully, don't we? But the Lord would call that as well um, into that area of, of how we express our love to God, heart, soul, mind, um, devotion, desires, determination. What will honor God most? Let me think about that for a minute. Let me use my mind to love God and determine what would honor God and God's name. It can change really everything. It can change the way we behave as employers or employees, as husbands or wives. If you're a parent, if you have children, if you're a child and, and you're thinking about your parents, if you're a neighbor, if you're a student or a teacher, it can change literally. And if you begin to love God with your mind, you determine then how you're going to act, respond, speak, all of that, uh, behave, all of that, uh, based on what you determine in your mind, you know would honor God, would express your love for God. And then that last little one, that is not little, it's important. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. Mm. And just because I like to stay with alliteration, I'm going to say devotion, desires, uh, determination, and with strength, I'm going to say discipline. Yeah. Here's where every aspect of who we are becomes applied in our love for God. Here's where our heart, soul, mind, strength are all directed toward, tuned toward, and exercised toward God as an expression of our love for the Lord. So if you are disciplined in your physical exercise. You do push-ups, you do sit-ups, you do pull-ups, you do, you know, weights, you do all kinds of different things. It takes discipline, doesn't it? And strength applied in discipline for you to be able to exercise and have a good program of exercise. So if we want to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of these areas come into play, don't they? Being loved by God is what I think first hits us, is that, oh my goodness, he loves me the way I am. And that, that always uh, humbles me. That always makes me grateful. And then I want to respond to God, uh, expressing my love for God. Um, and Jesus here says the greatest command that I could ever um, seek to obey is to love the Lord, uh, my God, with, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind and all my strength. Now, at some point, somebody in the modern world is going to bring up love of self. Contrary to what many in our day and time may preach and promote, the greatest love of all is not to love yourself. Frankly, most of us don't have any problem with this. Uh, we don't need someone to tell us to love ourselves. We do it quite naturally. And even if we have a self-image problem, um, in which really are largely modern categories of problems, um, uh, and perhaps that's why the Bible never commands us to love ourselves more. Um, but even those in modern times who struggle with self-loathing uh, can actually be shown to have a problem with self-obsession. It's because we're so obsessed with the self. And what does Jesus tell us to do with ourself? What's the cure for that? It's to actually get your eyes off of yourself and to look to the Lord and look to others, how you can serve others. How do I love God? How do I love others? If we 
concerned ourselves with the love of God and love of others, um, we would be so busy directing everything toward God and everything else toward others that we wouldn't have time to spend uh, evaluating ourselves and comparing ourselves with others or some false image that the world around us has presented as the perfect image that we ought to, you know, uh, achieve or, or we're nothing um, or comparing ourselves to others. We always, if it, my wife always says, if you fall into the trap of comparison thinking, it always leaves you either small or smug. Small because you, you, everybody else is bigger than you and you, you just feel worthless. Smug because you see others and you've been able to evaluate yourself as somehow or another greater than they are. So the greatest love of all is to love God. And Jesus says the greatest command of all is to love God. And the second greatest command is to love others. Now, as uh, Richard Bauckham says, he's a uh, professor emeritus of New Testament studies at uh, University uh, of St. Andrews. And he says, I love this. He says, there's nothing moderate about loving God with all our heart and all our soul, all our mind and all our strength. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Jesus isn't calling us to a moderate love of God or a moderate love of others for that matter either. Um, Jesus is calling us to love God. And when we put Christ first, watch what happens. When you put Christ first, see, when he's the, when the first commandment, we focus on that, right? Then it be, it's a natural outflow that we'll love others, um, uh, uh, right num- as second, right in, right in line there. It's really a natural outflow. Um, when I love Jesus first, I'm actually a better husband, a better pastor, a better neighbor, a better son, a better brother, because I love Christ first. And he calls me, and in loving him, he calls me to follow him in loving others and doing it um, in a self-sacrificial kind of way. I've got to hurry. Two more quotes for you. One from Jen Wilkin in her book, In His Image, really excellent Bible teacher. Um, Subtitle of the book is 10 Ways God Calls Us to Reflect His Character. And here's a quote from Jen's book. A deficit in our love of neighbor always points to a deficit in our love of God. We must first focus on loving God rightly. Restoring the vertical relationship is the first step to writing the horizontal relationship. And I think she's right on there. Um, Very, very true. Loving God first will result in me loving others ahead of myself. That's right. Ken Boa is uh, an author and a Bible teacher. And uh, if you've ever gotten an email from me, you've seen this quote because I I use it as part of my signature um, as a quote right at the bottom. He says, our calling and purpose as followers of Christ is to love God completely, to love self correctly, and to love others compassionately. And he's not trying to do them in some kind of sequence, but he is he is talking very much there about how we love God, the nature of our love for God, that it's complete. Um, that we love ourselves correctly. That means we're we're not we don't put ourselves first. And then loving others compassionately uh, is the result of that, isn't it? Well we're so grateful. 
uh, for each and every one of you that dial into this podcast every day. And thank you for sharing it with your friends, your neighbors, and your coworkers uh, along the way. So enjoying studying Mark's gospel with you and um, look forward to continuing to dig into the rest here of chapter 12. Read ahead. All right, Lord, thank you for this day and for the opportunity to love you and to love others well. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us anew with the love of God. Shed it abroad in our hearts that we might then uh, reflect it outwardly to others, that the gospel may be seen and heard in our lives this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.